Do you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring, Restoring Your Voice. Alrighty then, that's right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Bible-based Q&A session live where I take questions on YouTube. So you may be, uh, maybe I posted this on Facebook and you're watching this later. That's right. This is a YouTube exclusive. So this is on my YouTube channel only. But this is where I get the chance, the honor, the, the privilege of answering your Bible-based questions. And by the way, this is not for Christians only. This is for anybody and everybody. So uh, I don't care what religion you're from. And you don't believe, in other words, that means you don't hold that the Bible is true. Well, challenge me on those questions, all right? I, I don't mind being challenged. I don't mind ironing, sharpening iron, okay? Uh, I have nothing personal against anybody of a different um, belief system. I just know that Christianity is the right one. You don't, well, post your questions um, or anything. I, maybe maybe you believe Roman Catholics are, are Christians, and I don't hold to that. I don't hold that at all and you may say well i think that's not unf i think that's unfair or maybe you're catholic watching and you're like well i think the scripture means this go ahead post your questions um so yeah go ahead post your questions in the chat right now go ahead yes somebody says i have a question well go ahead now is your time uh to put them in the chat all right instead of me just yakking away here um anything at all maybe maybe you think dispensationalism is true hmm maybe you think it's biblical i don't know Anything at all. Okay. Let's see. Eric here says, my friend, my good friend, Eric, I think the Holy Spirit put this into my mind, but is the bread of presence, right? Uh, so we're talking about the Eucharist, uh, or, or, and sorry, in the temple. I Help if I read the whole question first. Is the bread of presence at the temple related to the bread of Christ at the Last Supper? I don't know. Um... It could very well be. I could see a connection. Um, what? Well, let me let me unpack that first. Why would I see? Because the bread of the presence, right? In case you don't know that, people don't know that. It's also called the show bread, right? Which was given as an offering to God, and then only the Levites were allowed to um, eat the remains of the bread. So it was going into the holy of holies. Now, now here, here's where I can make the connection. To say, yeah, I think so, because, um, you know, well, let's talk about some different views. So Roman Catholics believe in transubstantiation, that the bread and the blood literally become the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, that's patently, uh, patently false. Now, what I see in, in the Bible, um, when, when first and foremost, obviously, when, when Jesus is at the Last Supper, right, and he's taking this bread is my body, okay, and then we see later on Paul also explaining this in 1 Corinthians um, that this is basically a sacrament, okay? Now, Martin Luther, just to use an example, and I'm not trying to use a church father uh, to back up my beliefs, but he didn't believe in transubstantiation, but he believed that the very presence of God was in at in the Eucharist. And I do believe in that. I see it. Um because it says, do this in, first Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, right? And, and Paul talks about not to take um, of these, these unworthily, right? 
No, why would he say not to? Why why would he say not to take of this unworthily, unless the very presence of God? And because it is holy, right? And if it's holy, I believe that God is there. Now, now I'm making some very loose connections. I hope not too loose um, for for some of you. I'm trying to do my best to, to explain where I how I came to how I came to the conclusion based off of Scripture that yes, that the very real presence of God is there. So, is there a connection between? The show bread or or the bread of the presence in the temple of the Old Testament, and and now us uh, taking um, the Eucharist or communion, uh, depending on what you call it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very holy moment. I, I hold to it as a, as yes, a, a sacrament that is only meant for Christian believers. Okay, so so nobody who is not a Christian is, is not partaking of it. I think, by the way, let me just without going down too many rabbits. I do believe that that yes. Um, it should, there, there can be, well, let me not say 100% sure, but there, there, a good case can be made that only members of a local church body of that particular body can partake in it because why they, they would affirm that they are Christians. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good claim. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it violates any scripture. Um, hey, you know what? The, the, the Holy Spirit puts things into my head and I wonder about it and I check in scripture and it, it's true. So, okay. So, Katana of Hope. Okay, I'm so glad you're here, by the way. How did Jesus claim to be God? Okay, in, in, a, in a number of places. Um, let me let me just go, let me bring up my scriptures on the screen for you, and hopefully let me know if you guys can read the scriptures. Okay, um, if not, then I'll make it bigger for you. Um, so let me know while I'm looking up uh, in, in um, first, I believe, let me just, I think it's in John chapter 8. I think it's in John chapter 8. One, one of the places, by the way, um, where it's shown that Jesus is God. And there we go. For some reason, it didn't want to work. And I'm just going to go easy here. I'm going to just, oops. I am just going to use control F function. Here we go. Perfect. So right here in, in, in 48. Okay. Um, let's see. Ah. Here, here in verse 53, let me highlight, are you greater than our father, father Abraham who died, okay? And the prophets who died. Who did you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. Uh, if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I knew, do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw and, and was glad. So the Jews said to him, Are you not yet 50 years old? Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Ready? Here it is. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So, so if that were, if if this were written in the Hebrew, which I, it's not, by the way, um, it would Jesus would be saying, Before Abraham was, Yahweh, I, Yahweh. So that is the first claim. Okay, why do we know that? Well, we can trace it back to, I believe it's Exodus chapter 3. All right, when when Moses standing before God in the burning bush and God tells him to go speak to the Egyptians and then Moses says, hey, before I go to them, who, who am I going to, who are you? What, what do I tell them your name is? All right, and in English is translated, tell them that I am that I am or Yahweh. Okay. So that's one area. All right, now we're not done yet, though. We're not done yet. 
Okay, so I'm going to type it in. Hopefully, this pops up. I'm going to just type it very easy for you. So here we go. And hold on a second. And I got there. We go. Should be down here. This is. I'm just trying to do easy searches. Aha. So here we go in John chapter 20. Right. This is Thomas talking to um, Jesus, and he says, "My Lord and my God." Now, if you read that chapter, John chapter 20 you will see where Jesus did not rebuke Thomas for calling him God. So Thomas called Jesus God, and Jesus did not rebuke him. Now, mind you, um, now there is no, Jesus didn't come out and say, I am God. I know that. But I'm pointing to you the places in the New Testament where, where Jesus himself affirmed his own deity. Okay, so so he affirmed his own deity. Now, mind you, um, if now mind you, uh, you really need to. I uh, would highly recommend uh, you studying the Old Testament to see where a pre-incarnate Jesus. I say pre-incarnate because he wasn't known as Jesus just yet, but where he shows up in a multiple places in the Old Testament. Um, obviously, the burning bush. We just talked about that. Where is him in the burning bush? But in the Old Testament, those are called Christophanies. Um, and there are many places. Um, Jacob wrestles with him. Uh, he shows up to Gideon um, and other places like that. So anyway, I, I hope that helps uh, uh, answer your question. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, here's, here's another good one from Eric where Jesus claims. And then everyone will see the Son of Man, which is, by the way, in reference to Daniel, um, arriving in the clouds with great power and glory. Right? He says a cloud is a metaphor of God's judgment alone. Now, mind you, not just in there, but now we can see, if we go over to the book of Revelation, we can see specifically where Jesus is referring to himself. I am, for instance, the Alpha and the Omega. So he's referring to himself as God, right? So Alpha and Omega and a number of other places where it's point G. I think the book of Revelation, by the way, not the book of Revelations, but the book of Revelation is probably the greatest place where we can see um, Jesus, his deity, um, as God. So there we go. Somebody said, well, what, what was Jesus's politics? He didn't have politics. I, I don't understand the question. There's no politics mentioned. He wasn't political. Uh, best way to describe it. That wasn't his mission. His mission was to Israel at, at during his earthly ministry. Um, and, and to, and to the house of Israel alone, nobody else during his earthly ministry, so during his three years. I mean, I mean if, you, if somebody wants to challenge me on that belief system, then by all means, pop it in the chat. We, we, let's let's uh, talk it out. I enjoy doing this. And, you know, whether we disagree or agree, that's fine, as long as we can agree in love and, and keep things amicable. So anyway, really great question so far. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let me scroll back and make sure I didn't miss anything so far. Okay, so so go ahead and put your questions, continue your questions in the chat. Um, yeah, and Eric says about Jesus saying, but it is my kingdom is not from here, right? John 18 again, my kingdom is not of this world. Um, put on the screen for you guys. Um, if my kingdom were from this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities, right? Exactly. So, okay, another question here. I keep them coming, great. I don't mind. How should Christians and religious people vote according to the Bible? 
So, so I know that's a broad statement, but hey, I'm willing to unpack it in detail. So we're, we're talking about Christians. All right? I'm not going to talk about religious people. We'll just keep it uh, Christ-centered Christ in this. How should we vote? Okay, so that means we, we look at different candidates, okay, whatever it may be, state level, national level, local level, you name it, okay? Now, we look at their belief systems, okay? Let's see. What is their stance on abortion? What is their stance on same-sex marriage? What is their stance on um, transgender stuff? Um, things like that. I mean, those are just top three that, that come off to the top of my head. Oh, yeah, what do they think about freedom of religion? Okay, is that okay? Or or are they against um, pastors um, preaching from the pulpit against homosexuality? Things like that, okay? So so we look at their stance, right? Then, then we pair up their stance with their track record, right? Because they could say, hey, I'm pro-life and I'm against abortion, right? But say an abortion bill comes up and then we, we can see where they voted against it, right? And, and let me say an anti-abortion bill comes up of some sort and they vote against it. Okay, well, clearly they, they're not, their actions aren't backing up their words, right? So it takes us applying discernment and doing what the Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 5 to examine all things, right? That applies in every part of our life. Yeah, I would, that, that especially, I would say, applies in the voting booth. And somebody may, uh, of course, have a question. Should Christians vote? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we should partake. Yeah, we should want to, we, sh we should, we should do our part to, to, to save the life of, of the innocent, the unborn. Yeah, we, we should participate to, to, to make sure that practices like homosexuality are, are not endorsed. In other words, they're not made law. You know, we can debate whether um, a state can choose a right, and, and we, we can go back and forth on that, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is it should not be law, federal law, the federal government should not be involved, and we, we should do our part to do that. How do we do that? Then we vote for the representatives is what they're supposed to be. So anyway, okay, Richard, very good Hey, good to see you. Is it wrong to tell sinners that Jesus loves them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, right, we know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That's part of that, that verse, John 3, 16. So God did, loves the entire world. Now, is it okay to only tell them that and leave out the rest? No. Is it, we should pair that with, because we can't just say love, Right, because to them, like, oh, Jesus loves me, great. I'm just going to keep sinning. But we should also pair that with that God for uh, scriptures like God is angry at the wicked all day long. All right, that that sinners are storing up wrath for themselves on the day of judgment, and so Jesus loves them and has made a way out for them if they so choose. Right, for whosoever believes. Right, that means whoever. Uh, so, so we should not um, just do one, and we should absolutely. Not just say, hey, God is angry at you. You're going to hell. And then we leave it at that, right? We should absolutely tell them, indeed, Jesus does love you, right? While we were yet sinners, right? Christ died for us. Is another scripture that's great to use uh, in that as well. So we have many scriptures that we can use um, to tell them, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're a sinner. But, but, but God did show his love for you because Christ died for you. So there, there's a way. 
Uh, how is the Bible against abortion? Many different areas. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, right? God calls the shedding of innocent blood an abomination, right? Not just a sin, but, a, but, in a, uh, but an abomination, right? Now, very few sins does God actually use that word abomination, right? He, he calls sexual immorality of any kind uh, an abomination. He also refers to the shedding of innocent blood, an abomination. And who's innocent but a baby? But a baby, an unborn child who has not even been born into this world yet is the most innocent of all, okay? Um, God is the one that, that, that forms babies, right? I, I, you know, the psalmist writing, right? You knit me together in my mother's womb. God is the author of life, not death, right? God is against death, right? Death was never meant to enter into this world, right? And also uh, murdering a life, right? God, thou shall not murder, right? Right there in the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not murder. What is murder? It is, it is taking a life unjustly, right? What did a baby ever do to deserve getting murdered? Nothing. And you say, well, what about that woman got raped? Okay. Oh, I, I very well feel for a woman who gets raped, by the way. Let me just say that. But that baby didn't do anything, right? That that baby committed no crime against a woman. So that baby does not deserve to be aborted. There's Let me, let me make this clear, people. There is no reason for abortion whatsoever. None. I don't care. Well, the doctor says my baby was, I don't care what the doctors say. I care what God says on this matter. Okay. I, I care what God has to say uh, on the matter of abortion. And that's why I believe what I believe because this is what God says. Right. So, you, you know, I just recently saw, unfortunately, this is a, a local news article, for instance, where the doctors told this woman, right. I think she was 20 weeks pregnant, right. That her baby had this, um, I can't remember the word. Anyway, some some very horrible problem. Um, and but then I read further about this problem. I decided, wait, let me let me look it up. Oh, by the way, survivable. Yeah, the, the the person may live with health problems, but you know what? Doctors, time after time after time after time, have get, has given a, a mother a diagnosis about their baby in the womb just to turn out it's wrong. Oh, they're not going to live. Then they go on to live healthy lives. Or they have that. They're born. They don't have that. Or who cares if they do have that? And then plenty of mothers are like, you know what? I don't care. Even if that baby lives weeks or, or three years or whatever the case may be. Well, praise God for, for mothers. I mean, let me, let me praise you mothers out there, right, who refuse to give in to the medical community. And even if your child passed away at a very young age, which I'm very heart sore over if that happened, yet, you chose to bring that baby to full term. So great. Um, another question here. Uh, how should Christians deal with religious minorities? We, we speak the truth and love to them. Um, now, mind you, if you say religious minority, no, that's not so true anymore in the United States. And it's certainly not true in, in many parts of the world, by the way. But if you're talking about how Christians should deal if they're living in a country where it's a predominantly Christian culture, then we witness to them. We tell them the truth, right? Now, I'm not saying you have to do it a certain way, right? Some of you may like to form a relationship with a person before doing that. That's fine, right? Some of you are a little are more straightforward like I am, 
right? I'm 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 the uh, person who knocks the people off the fence, right? That's fine, but we speak the truth in love, all right? Paul did it in his day, so he went all over the world. And first, he went in, in in Israel, then he went over into the Gentile world. And uh, in the Gentile world, the Greek-speaking world, if you will, Jews were the minority, yet Paul treated them the same as he treated anybody who's lost. So we treat, no matter what belief system they are, belief system or no religion, we, we treat everybody the same. We give them the gospel. Okay. Great question so far. Loving them. Okay. Uh, Richard, why do we still see so many cliques and factions in today's church? Very, very good question. First and foremost, well, human nature and disobedience of God's word, um, I, I, disregarding scripture, right? Jesus prays in in John chapter 17 about this very thing, that, that we would all be one, just as he and the Father are as one. That way the world can know Jesus, right? You know, it says also elsewhere, uh, by, by our love, by our love, they will know Jesus, right? And when we have cliques, right? We have uh, a, a women's group or, or, or you know, uh, maybe it's racial. Maybe it's, it's maybe you'll see that, that the blacks gather in this spot and the Hispanics in this spot and, and the Chinese in that spot or Asian Americans, whatever you want to call it. Why do we still have that? Um, without, you know, I'm not a sociologist, so I can only go by, by the Bible. Um, I, I, I fully believe that um, that people are, aren't willing to get outside of their comfort zone and apply the Bible and live out the Bible. I think I think it could be summed up in in the denial of the Scripture verse: "Deny yourself, deny yourselves, take up the cross, and follow me." Jesus says. Well, when we decide to only get with like-minded people, right? Whatever that may be. Right, it could be like I said, it could be ethnic, it could be racial, um, gender-based, uh, it could be a, a a bunch of different things. People who like the same music, people who like the same sports, people whatever, ride motorcycles together. I've seen these things firsthand. Right, so people aren't willing to deny themselves. So let me talk across the room to this guy who likes rap, or or he's got earrings and tattoos, or do, what whatever the case may be. I can. People are just not willing to obey the Bible, deny themselves, and get outside their comfort zone. I think denying ourselves is, is getting outside our comfort zone. I, I fully believe that. So so I, I think I think that's probably the biggest reason. And also, of course, many false converts. Um, that's another reason. If, if people aren't truly converted to Christ, they're not living it out, then they're not going to be willing um, to be in unity with, with brothers and sisters of Christ of differing, you name it, right? That's another reason I believe why there are so many quote-unquote black churches today. Why are they predominantly black? Why don't white people go to them more? Well, I would also turn that question around and say, well, why aren't the black churches welcoming more white people? Deny ourselves, right? Deny ourselves. Um, what are What is my view on alms? Well, I think it, if you're talking about as in giving to the poor yeah the church should be the one leading leading the way in whatever nation we're in i don't think people should have to subsist off the government i don't think any church member 
should have to go to the government for help with 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 finances when they're poor. I mean that 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 comes into uh, of course giving, um, and people's hearts toward that. And if people actually, if each and every member of a local church body was willing to give, um, then we wouldn't have a problem with this. And and those those within the church body, and those members of a local church body would not have to go outside for help. Um, so yeah, we if 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 your question has to do with giving to the poor, um, absolutely, yeah, we, we should, we we should. I mean, we should be taking care of the um, true religion. Is this James says right? What is what is what do you say a true true religion is? Is taking care of the orphans and the widows. The church should be doing that, right? Not everybody else, not the government. So, all right, um, great questions. I love them. Yeah. Keep them coming. Keep them coming in, man. We got time. I'm um, looking at the time. We have about 20 minutes left. Um, and then I'll get off this and I'll do another live show right after this, which is going to encourage you, by the way. So there we go. Like I said, any question, any, anything Bible related, it doesn't, you can be a skeptic of the Bible. You can be a critic. Um, maybe you disagree with me on stuff. And I'm, by the way, I, I, I'm okay in that. All right. Iron sharpening iron. Maybe, maybe you think that the church replaced Israel, which is patently false. Challenge me on it. Maybe you have pre-tribulation views. Maybe you're a dispensationalist. I don't know. Maybe you don't believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Challenge me on it. Go ahead. Well, I think I think they seized because of. Go ahead. Challenge me on that. By the way, I did a whole show on that yesterday, but I would be more than happy to answer your question here on it. All right. Yeah. Katana, thank you for asking your questions. Wonderful. Appreciate it. So any anything, um, I know somebody had a question that they wanted to ask. I didn't get to last week. I think it was you, Richard, if you're still watching. You had a question I wasn't able to get to last week in depth because you asked it right at the end. And if Nikki is watching, I don't know if she's watching. I know she's been having some questions about Arianism. Um, so I would love to answer answer questions, but I would like to get your specific questions so I can do my best. Um, to answer you specifically, I don't want to be just blast broad things out there. And if you're watching and listening, if you're wondering what Arianism is, it's the, it's the it's the denial of the deity of Jesus specifically, which is why, by the way, the Council of Nicaea met. So they didn't meet to canonize scripture; they met to confront uh, the heresy of uh, Arianism. And yes, they did condemn. Uh, Arius as a heretic so okay Richard here here we go last time I addressed this there we go thank you thank you so much I didn't have reference simultaneous ma uh, rapture Matthew 13 24 to 30 okay let's bring it up on the screen all right typing fingers go so we are in right 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 okay listen uh, let, me, let me get it and I'll, I'll just bring up the full chapter because I always like full chapters when I do things um, context 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 right what what, what are basic what, what are the tools of Bible interpretation context 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 um, there you go you just got a whole class in hermeneutics I'm, I'm, I'm joking of course okay uh, here we go so he put uh, another parable for them saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in, the, in his field but while his men were sleeping his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat right oh yeah so this is um, so 
my my translation says weeds your translation may say tares um and see oh and the servant of the master of the house came master did you not sow good field and then he said um an enemy has done this so the servant said to him then do you want us to go gather them he said no lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat among them let both grow together until the harvest and at harvest time i will tell the reapers gather the weeds first Bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So, first Jesus says here he, that, yes, the weeds or the tares or the sinners, the wicked, will be gathered up first. And then, so, tells it here, right, first, says that. All right, and he's also making the analogy, look, we don't always know who is good and evil, okay? We can see, and we see this play out today, don't we? Where, where we have like heresy hunters, for instance, right? And you believe different than I do and on non-essential doctrines or, or non-salvific issues, that's heresy, right? Like, say, cessationism versus continuationism, right? A lot of uh, uh, continuationists label cessationism heresy, but it's not. See what I'm saying? Things like that. So we don't always know who's good and evil, and we don't know who's going to be saved or not ultimately, right? We, we can't judge that. But it says here that he's going to gather up, uh, let me see if I can highlight it, the weeds first. So gather the weeds first. Now let it, let's go to Revelation 14. So let's be fair. Let's see, Rev uh, Revelation 14. Okay, 14, verse 14. Okay, ah, and then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man. Talking about Jesus with a golden head on his head and a sharp sickle on his hand, right? Ah, gotta love the, uh, gotta love the analogies of Jesus. And another angel came out of the temple, calling out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, "Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe." So he who sat on the clouds uh, swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, if you're wondering why I'm reading all out, because this gets uploaded to audio podcast afterwards. Then the angel of, came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. So we have two different sickles, okay? And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who had authority over the fire, and he called out with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, put in his sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle uh, across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God, talking about the wicked, mind you. And the winepress was trodden outside the city and flowed from the winepress as a horse, uh, as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia, okay? And I'm just giving, giving a measurement here. Um, okay, so good question. Um, I see one, I see uh, once again here, two different gatherings, okay? I see one gathering um, and the earth was reaped. Then it says another angel, um, came out of the temple, he too, and then we're talking about um, the wicked, um, talking about making the analogy of the wine press and blood and so on and so forth. And I think we can see this language used in other places in the Bible, and I can't remember off the top of my head. So, so anyway, um, really great question. I actually never bothered to look this up in that way, though I've seen... Um, Elsewhere, um, separate harvests, uh, we see where the pre-tribulation people um, say, uh, well, 
Well, it says, well, one man is going to be standing and the other man, you know, one man will be taken, one man left standing. And they say, well, that points to the preacher rapture when actually it doesn't. And if they read further on, you see where the disciples ask Jesus, well, where do they go? And he says, where the vultures are. So it's actually not talking about a pre-tribulation rapture. It's talking about the gathering of the wicked first, which is why, you know, being left behind is actually a good thing because the wicked are reaped first and where the vultures are. So it is also, so I probably answered somebody else's question there about that. Maybe you believe in pre-tribulation rapture. And I'm here to tell you that it's patently false. Um, so there. Uh, anyway, I hope, I hope I answered that question. I'm glad I was able to get more time to read out that scripture and such for people. Um, it's wonderful. Not a problem. Not a problem. Now, no, now, if we're talking about another, like the poster rapture, like what's how that's going to happen. Basically, Jesus is, shows up, right, for everybody to see. He comes down, boom, shows up. Then in Christ rise first. Those who are alive, meet him in the air as well. And then he returns. We all return together. One big happy party. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm full of jokes today. So uh, uh, did you know that the uh, Amish Powerball is up to four dozen eggs now? Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, yeah, we got we got some time left for questions. Go ahead and uh, put them in there. Don't be shy, okay? Don't forget. Don't, oh, I, I think my question is stupid. No such thing. And I guarantee... That, that whatever question you ask, somebody else has a question to that, and you're going to help answer somebody else's question. I guarantee it. We're all helping equip each other, right? I answer your questions, help equip you by asking your question. Somebody else get, gets it answered, right? So you're helping now to equip others. So wonderful thing there. Okay, so I'm just waiting to see if there's any more questions. Um I'm not seeing any any come in just yet. So then um, I'll just talk about, is dispensationalism true? Is it is it biblical? Okay. did When did it come about? So it came about, first and foremost, let me say when it came about. It didn't come about until the 19th century by a man, a man by the name of Darby uh, invented it. And I'll use that term specifically, invented it. So, um, Okay. Somebody asks, oh, what are your feelings on the revival that will take place? I believe we are going to see it. I'm actually going to talk about it um, right after this in, in the next, in my next show. So after this ends, okay, um, in about 10 minutes, then 15 minutes after that, 4 p.m. Central is where I'm going to talk about this. What are my thoughts on this? When I think when it gets darkest, we need to press in. That just because things look dark and it gets more difficult and more difficult, well, you know, I know I Jesus uses this, right? The pangs of childbirth, right? You, you ask any woman. I'm a dad, by the way. I've seen three of my, you know, my three three of my kids give uh be born, right? And it gets worse and worse and worse. It's a horrible feeling, it's horrible pain for the woman. But man, when she gives birth, which is revival, I don't we rejoice in it. Don't we rejoice in it, right? And I believe we, there we are going to have revival. Okay, I can't. Do I believe that there can be a great apostasy and revival at the same time? Absolutely, right. Two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true at the same time. So, 
yeah, I see it. Um, I, I see, I don't see anything where it says it won't happen in the Bible. I don't see anything where it says in the end times it won't happen. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, and I'm going to un- I'm gonna unpack this next show when I talk about hope in the darkest hour. So, um, yeah. So I'm looking to see if more questions are coming in. But like I said, dispensationalism didn't come about until the 19th century. Okay. And it, it falsely claims that God has different plans for the church than he has for Israel. I say that falsely because clearly the Bible teaches differently. Um, just a cursory study of Romans chapter 11 itself would clearly um, debunk uh, dispensationalism. That's why I say dispensationalism is anti-Semitic. I'm not saying those who believe it are, but I'm just saying what the fruits of that belief system are. Okay. So in other words, God, we are, we, it's, it's broken down without going to detail. I think it's seven dispensations which I read through and I don't agree on at all. Um, and basically the thing is that God has different, God, this this goes against God. Okay, it's a false belief. All right, God does not have different plans for the church than he has for Israel. That's patently false. Why? Because we Gentiles who are part of the church, by the way, there are plenty of Jews that are part of the church. Um, we are the ones grafted in and we are not supposed to boast against the natural branches, okay? There has never been two separate plans, okay? Uh, a form, I believe, I, I can say, a form of that belief started entering into the church um, within the mid to late first century, right? You can read, and, and later on, and you can point, I can point to writings by people like Justin Martyr, who held anti-Semitic beliefs, beliefs by the way. Um, so there's not. All right. We are the ones grafted in. It's not the other way around. Okay. We're not better than Israel. We're not supposed to be different from Israel. And uh, just to give you a quick timeline, um, this, the, the church, quote unquote, was not birthed. Okay. was not birthed in Pentecost. Okay. It was 3,000 Jews. So for 10 years, it was another sect of Judaism. Then the Gentiles were grafted in. And then once after Paul did his ministry work in, in Israel, then he went up into the Greek-speaking world, right? And they were first called Christians there. So, uh, FYI, okay. Um, okay, here's a good question from Richard. Some Christians hold a view of the rapture as a traditional Jewish wedding. What do you think? I, I don't see that in Scripture necessarily. Could it happen? Absolutely. Do I see a reason why it couldn't be that way? No, I don't. Because Jesus is returning to Jerusalem, right? It's going to rule and reign as a Jewish king. Okay, no, we're not talking about ethno, eth, ethno-nationalism, but he, but he is Jewish. He's going to reign from Israel as a Jewish king, right? Uh, uh, Joel Richardson wrote a book on this, When a Jew Rules the World, and um, they're going to be required to keep um, all the nations of the earth are going to be required to keep um, Sukkot. So could it be? Yeah, could it be? Could it be like a Jewish wedding with lots of celebration? I, I think so. I think it could be that way. I mean, I mean, I don't know of any other joyous time, honestly, um, than a wedding, right? And I think we're going to celebrate 
like it's eternity, uh, you know, uh, on this wedding feast. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 um, I, I could see that happening. Um, when so, in other words, when when Jesus returns, so we're gathered up and we return with him. Okay, then the wedding feast happens. That's when the wedding feast happens. By the way, uh, I, I can absolutely see that, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right, I'm 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 looking forward to to tipping up a cup of wine with King Jesus, right? Well, why would I say such a thing? Because Jesus says I will not drink of this until I return. So when he returns, I have the best wine ever, I guess. So anyway, yeah, great questions today. Wonderful, wonderful questions. I love him, love them all. Really great question. We had a uh, not a. Uh, 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 an unbeliever in here asking questions, which is awesome. And it was my honor and privilege to answer those questions, by the way. Um, so wonderful. So I probably have to do an entire show probably dedicated to dispensationalism and supersessionism or uh, replacement theology, because those are two sides of the same coin, by the way. So anyway, anyway, great questions. Love them all. Um, hope I was able to um, answer them um, real quickly. I'm going to have my friend Steve Christie, who I've had on my show uh, three times now. Um, he's a former uh, Romanist, so Roman Catholic, um, and praise God, he was saved out of that. And so I want to have him on to give his testimony. Um, he's written a book uh, about why Protestant Bibles are smaller. Um, and then I had him on to confront the false, the, the let me just call it heresies of the of the five Marian dogmas. Uh, so I'm going to have him on again uh, soon. I'm just waiting to hear back from him um, on a on a on a on a good date and time. And I'm going to have him on. You're going to get to hear his testimony. So be looking forward to that. So all right then. Well, if that is it, then I will end the show and uh, save my voice. For the next one and you'll want to be there all right so in just just over 15 minutes from now okay i'll be doing another live show um and you're going to want to be watch it because you're going to be very very encouraged by it so with that i'll end this q a session thank you so much everybody thank you so much it's my honor and my privilege uh, to do my best to answer your questions see you again next week god willing